Shapers on Jazz FM. Listen in color. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. of delight, Coco, you, The lilting sound of Abby Lincoln with Afro Blue. Good morning, this is Jazz Shapers here on Jazz FM. Thank you very much for joining me, Elliot Moss. Every Saturday morning, hopefully you join me and make your appointment with the world of business and the world of music because Jazz Shapers is a place where you can hear the very best of both those things. Someone who is shaping the world of business alongside lots of music from people who are shaping the world of jazz, blues and soul. My business shaper today, I'm very pleased to say, is Lawrence Isaacson, C-B-E-F-R-S-A, and he's got a BSc in economics as well to boot. Lawrence, for those of you who don't know, is a restaurateur extraordinaire, one of the key people in the restaurant business for the last three, four decades in the UK. Group Chez Girard is one of his, Bertarelli's live bait, Chez Girard Café Fish. He was involved with the Ambassador uh, Theatre Group, and more recently he's gone and bought back, he's only gone and done it, he's gone and bought back the, the Lescargo restaurant in London. You're going to be hearing lots from Lawrence very shortly and entertaining it will be too. In addition to hearing from him, you'll be hearing from our programme partners at Mishkon Dereya, some words of advice for your business and some great music on top of all of that, I promise you, including Louis Armstrong, new music from Gogo Penguin and this from Jose James. Don't talk to me, That was Trouble from Jose James. Lawrence Isaacson is my business shaper today, and as I said, he's one of the most important restaurateurs in the UK probably over the last few decades. Uh, responsible for the group Chez Girard, responsible for those in businesses inside it, Bertarelli's Live Bait, Cafe Fish, as I mentioned, and so many other things um, which we're going to come on to. Thank you so much for joining me, Lawrence. It's a pleasure. You've made the time. I appreciate it. Now, you're just the boy from Liverpool who made good, aren't you? I mean, tell me a little bit about how you managed to leave Liverpool and come to the big smoke all those years ago. What made you do it? Uh, really, I wanted to get out of Liverpool. I left Liverpool when I was 17. My father wanted me to work in his furniture shop. And uh, my mother said to me, uh, unless you actually do some work and get into university, you will be sentenced to life imprisonment in a furniture shop in Liverpool. <laughs> so you thought, well, I'd rather go and do something else then. <laughs> so I thought I'd better do some work. And uh, I worked quite hard for the uh, when I was 16. And when I was 17, I got into uh, London School of Economics to study economics. And my grandfather said, it's a pity you didn't get into university. <laughs> So you you went there. Um, how did you afford to pay for it, Lawrence? Because I imagine you didn't have much in your pocket. No, my father said, uh, you've been accepted by Liverpool University, so you, you should go there because you can stay at home. And I said, but I've been accepted by London School of Economics and uh, I want to go there. He said, if you want to go there, you can pay for yourself. 
So what did you do to earn enough money to be able to do that? Well, I got a, a, a small grant, and in the uh, holidays, I worked as a, a waiter. I worked in um, a research company, and uh, whatever jobs I could do. I went to one vacation. I spent three months working for Banca Commerciale Italiana in Milan. So basically anything and everything that would enable you to do what you wanted to do. Because yeah. I'm getting the feeling very quickly from you that you, when you want to do something, you do it. And in a lot of people in your position at that point as a young person would have gone into you know, imprisonment in their father's business. Many people of your generation and my father's generation did exactly that because that's what they kind of felt they had to do. Where was that from, that independence, which uh, we'll come on to? Where's that? What's the DNA of that? Where does it come from? Well, I think it's uh, coming from a family of immigrants that uh, they have to succeed uh, in what they do if they want to get anywhere. My mother's family were Spanish-Portuguese and my father's family were uh, Russian and Polish and uh, both of them arrived from different parts of the world in Liverpool uh, with nothing. Uh, so there's only one way to go. Stay with me to find out the one way that Lawrence indeed did go. My business shape, an extraordinary man. You're going to be hearing lots from him very shortly. Time for some music. This is a classic. It's from Louis Armstrong, and it is What a Wonderful World. I see trees of green, red roses too. I see them blue for me and you. That's What a Wonderful World from Louis Armstrong, a song, by the way, that my three-year-old daughter can sing without even looking at the lyrics more than I can do. Lawrence Isaacson is my business shaper today and was talking about um, where you go when your families of immigrants arrive with absolutely nothing. There's hopefully only one way to go. And it's a, a story not just of our time now, but a story really of, of immigrants all over the world at any particular time. Yours came from, as you said, different parts of the world, Lawrence. And you fought your way. You got went to the LSE. You didn't want to do the family business thing. You ended up, um, if I'm right, setting up an advertising agency, which you then sold. What I mean, how did you get into that and get out of it before you even went into the into the uh, the, the, the food business? Well, really, after I left university, I basically wanted to become uh, an actor, and I, I went to RADA uh, and. Uh, they gave me an interview and an audition, and I was offered a place at RADA. Uh, the director of RADA at that time said to me, we'll give you a place, but we can't give you a scholarship because you've already had a scholarship to go to LSE, and I'd have to pay for three years uh, myself. And after having done that at LSE, I couldn't really face doing it uh, again. And um, I joined Unilever instead because that paid me £900 a year, which in those <laughs> days was a lot of money. But, you know, when I left university, uh, the first thing I did was buy a ticket for £60 return to America at 20 years old. And uh, I got on a Greyhound bus and for $99.00. I travelled 14,000 miles around America, going to every major city. And as soon as I got to a city, uh, I phoned up the local radio station and said, 
Uh, I, I'm Lawrence Isaacson. I've just arrived in your wonderful city in the middle of nowhere. And uh, I went to school with the Beatles. And they said, oh, gee, Larry, just stay right where you are. We'll send a car and we'll interview you. I said, it'll cost you $50. And they said, no problem. So I virtually went round every city in America telling them uh, the stories about when I was at school with the uh, Beatles and um, at university with Mick Jagger of the Rolling Stones. So I, I learned very quickly how to use the media. Wow. I think up many 20-year-olds would have gone and done that. I think that is chutzpah defined. Uh, much more chutzpah and um, fantastic stories and insights coming up from my business shaper, Lawrence Isaacson. Latest travel in a couple of minutes, and before that, some words of wisdom. I'm not sure we can match those from our programme partners, uh, Mish Gondorea, for your business. Hi, my name's Nadim Mir, and I'm a partner at Mish Gondorea in the private equity team. A key thing to be thinking about if you are looking to raise funds is, given that it is maybe less difficult than it used to be to raise the money, if you do have a good growth story, then actually you are in a pretty good position to maybe be a bit more choosy as to who you partner with. Um, And I think a key thing to remember is that when you go into this relationship with an investor or group of investors, you do need to see it as very much like a relationship. It is effectively a marriage of sorts. And obviously we know the best sorts of marriages tend to be the ones where both sides uh, go in with their eyes open um, and they're both supportive parties to uh, to the marriage um, and where people think they can work well together. So it's not necessarily about the party that's going to leave you with the most equity or the one with the biggest checkbook. It's about the party who you are going to get on well with, work well with, and hopefully, and say, live happily ever after with. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM, in partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. You're listening to Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss. It's Saturday morning, and I hope it's your appointment with the world of business when it meets the world of music. Lawrence Isaacson has just brought those two things together. He was telling me earlier um, about the fact that when he was 20, he made, managed to make some money based on stories from when he was at school with the Beatles, as he said, and Mick Jagger at university. The fact that you got to that answer, the fact that you got the... This is what in, intrigues me. You bought the ticket. You went to America. You had, I imagine you just wanted to see the world. You, wanted, you loved the idea of America. And then you monetized before the word monetize was even thought about, you monetized your trip. You must have made hundreds or thousands of dollars across that time. Yeah, a few thousand dollars. I mean, but what got you to that thought? Was it just, I need some money in my pocket? Was it as simple as that? Because that's a very creative thought, isn't it? Yeah, well, I didn't have any money. You know, so what, uh, I had to live off my wits. And um, that was, uh, everybody was talking about the Beatles. And I thought, well, this is a time to tell my story. But you didn't, I mean, you, you say, you know, you lived off your wits. You got a degree from the LSE. Yeah. You're obviously an educated, you're an educated person. And yet the idea you had had nothing to do with your education. I mean, absolutely nothing. Right. Is that the way that your life has really progressed? Because would you say that the, I mean, you then decided, obviously you went into the, the, the restaurant world. How did you decide to do that or did it hit you? I mean, I'm just intrigued that... Well, well basically, when I left, uh, got back from America... I joined Unilever, uh, 
uh, because I thought it's the next best thing to acting, um, <laughs> being in marketing. <laughs> and uh, I was sent to work in Holland, in, uh, to Amsterdam and Rotterdam, uh, when I was 21. And um, it was like sending a child into a candy store. Uh, I had the most wonderful time. I learned Dutch, which was absolutely useless. <laughs> but because I learned Dutch, uh, the, the people in Amsterdam in the theatre world thought it was very amusing and used to invite me to all the parties. So I used to have a great time, and I knew more people in Amsterdam than most Dutch people. And um, uh, I, I did very well at Unilever, and eventually they sent me back to London, where they had an advertising agency, and I joined their advertising agency in London, which in those days was called Lintas. Lintas, Lever International... Uh, advertising Services. Yes. And um, after a few years, I was recruited by Doyle Dame Birnbeck to become an, an account uh, supervisor. Uh, and then when I was 28, uh, I was asked to join a guy called David Bernstein, who was opening his own advertising agency called uh, The Creative Business. And he was creative, I was business, and everybody else was limited. <laughs> and you ended up selling this business? I ended up after 12 years working with major national and international clients. Uh, I sold the business to the French um, Roussegela, Kezak and Goudard. It feels injust to give it just that bit of time because 12 years of your life I've just summarised in 30 seconds. I apologise, but it's an extraordinary achievement. We're going to hear hearing lots more from Lawrence in a moment, but time for some more music. This is Nat King Cole with Let There Be Love. The classic Nat King Cole with the classic Let There Be Love. Um, Lawrence, we talked about the 12 years and 12 seconds, sorry, as I said, um, but you cre you joined David Bernstein, set this agency up, you were the business, the rest were limited, and he was the credit one, very good. You then, so that was in 1983, and in the same year you opened your first restaurant. How did one segue to the other? I mean, not a natural thing, you obviously had some money in your pocket by then, no longer the boy having to go, how am I going to earn $50 here in America? This is now, you've got, I imagine, real money. Yeah, I, I had some money from the sale from the of the, sale. Ag uh, the agency, and uh, I really didn't have anything to do. Uh, and um, uh, a, a friend of mine, uh, she, she owned quite a lot of Covent Garden, uh, said to me that she'd just got a building in uh, Covent Garden that she'd got permission for a restaurant. And like an idiot, uh, I said, I've always wanted to uh, run a restaurant, which was absolutely untrue. <laughs> and she said, well, why don't you? I said, well, I know nothing about restaurants. And she said, well, that's never stopped you doing anything before. Uh, and I said, well, I'll do the restaurant if you put in the first two years money uh, rent as uh, equity. 
And she said, done. And I was stuck with opening a restaurant. And I really had to find a group of people who would uh, uh, work with me and put money up. And basically, uh, I got a group of investors and a business partner, a guy called Neville Abraham. And Neville and I uh, opened Café des Amis in Covent Garden next to the Opera House. And it was an incredible success. Why was that, do you think? Because you just said you didn't know anything about the business. Not that That's that most probably why it was a success. <laughs> <laughs> but why you just enjoyed yourself and yeah. great chef, yeah, and nice it, atmosphere, made people say, look, relax, be and, happy, all that stuff. And it was a good concept. It was uh, one of the first French cafes in London. We didn't have tablecloths. We served great steak frites and filet d'oie and onion soup and creme caramel. And uh, it was well-priced. And because I knew a lot about marketing and advertising, uh, I was very good at putting bums on seats. We sold it three years later. And then we started um, a new restaurant company. And the first two restaurants that we owned were uh, Cafe Fish and Bertarelli's. And after that, we bought um, a small restaurant called Chez Girard. And uh, 30 restaurants later, um, I sold it. So whilst you're doing all this, of course, your your love of the arts, your love of acting, your love of the theatre, and you mentioned that you're in Holland being, you know, mm. in and amongst it, you became involved with the Ambassador Theatre Group. I think you created the Covent Garden Festival Opera and Music Theatre. You've gone on to do things where you are properly ensconced in that world, but not just because you enjoy it, but because you wanted to give something back, I imagine. How did that come about, and how did you manage that whilst you were running this burgeoning business? Well, the, the first uh, arts organisation I got involved with was London Contemporary Dance uh, Theatre and London Contemporary Dance School. And I was asked to join the board of that and uh, eventually became uh, chairman. After that, I set up uh, the... Uh, Covent Garden Festival of Opera and Music Theatre, basically because I had a lot of uh, restaurants in Covent Garden. So I had a very good mailing list. I I loved uh, uh, music theatre and opera, and uh, I managed to raise £6 million over 11 years to stage 20 different productions in 20 different venues for three weeks every May for 11 years and we didn't lose any money. And it was a great success. Uh, and as a result of that, I was asked to join the board of uh, the Royal Shakespeare Company and uh, eventually the board of the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art, where I was uh, uh, unfortunately didn't go to 50 years earlier. <laughs> it all came good. Ethan, you've got a charm life, I mean, uh, uh, and or you're just brilliantly clever, or both. I mean, li literally, oh, both. Good. I thought you'd say that. It was. I set that up for him. We we, we planned that earlier. Lots more coming up from my business shaper um, in my final chat, unfortunately, with him. But we'll also be hearing from a track from Go Go Penguin. That's after the latest traffic and travel. <laughs> Jazz shapers on Jazz FM in partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal.
the powerful sound of uh, Go Go Penguin with All Res. Lawrence Isaacson is my business shaper just for a few more minutes. I, I said earlier, Tim, I wish I had a few hours because you've got, it, you've told me a couple of stories I sense you've got thousands of them. You've, ver- you've lived an incredible and you continue to live a very rich life, Lawrence, from whether it's from, you know, the Unilever days to the advertising days to the food days and you're back in the food world now and the restaurant world into the arts. It strikes me that you you do it with good faith, you do it with a smile on your face, but you obviously are, and you agreed earlier, you would do, wouldn't you? You're very intelligent. Is it possible to be as happy-go-lucky as you seem to appear uh, and successful without the nous that we talked about earlier? I mean, there's something in the mix of all the things you talked about which enables you to be you. I think other people would want to do the things you've done. What advice would you give to people who want to be as successful as you have been, if indeed you see yourself like that? It really comes down to working very hard, uh, making what you do look easy and gaining uh, the confidence of a good team behind you uh, and um, enjoying what you do and doing good as well as uh, making some money. What's the bit you've enjoyed the most of all the different things you've done? I think uh, uh, Covent Garden Festival was a, a tremendous achievement, and uh, I loved doing that. Uh, and in terms of the restaurant now, you, you've, I mentioned earlier you bought the Lescargo business with some friends as well, specifically Brian Glevas, uh, you, you two are running it. What's that about? I mean, you don't need to do another thing. Can't you just put your feet up and relax? Isn't it time? Uh, there's never time (laughs) there isn't enough time and uh, it's uh, very exciting to take over an iconic restaurant like Lescargo which uh, was started in 1927 and has had its ups and downs but mainly its ups I was very fortunate in buying it with Brian when it was uh, down and we spent the last two years building it up and it's become a tremendous success and uh, I would say to anybody if they're in Greek Street in Soho make sure they go to La Scargo restaurant. <laughs> he couldn't resist that the boy of 20 is back with his stories for $50. What, what's driving you still to, to save and you know please come to my restaurant I want you to enjoy it. What, what is it about the next venture and the next venture there's there's obviously something insatiable about your appetite for 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 fun and for business what what's what's where's that from i don't know i've always wanted to uh, uh, make a success i suppose it's coming from an immigrant family with very little money and when i was uh, you know 16 17 i looked at people who had uh, a hundred pounds as wealthy and when I had a hundred pounds I looked at people with a thousand pounds and they were wealthy and when I had a thousand pounds people were ten thousand and it, it goes on so there's always more that you can achieve and it's the it's part of a game as well mm. but it's a very enjoyable game it's, it's been fantastic to meet you a real privilege um, just before I let you go what's your song choice and why have you chosen it all that jazz by Liza Minnelli. And any good reason apart from you love it? I love Liza. (laughs) It's a fantastic reason for me. Thank you so much. Here it is. Jazz, I'm gonna brew 
That was Liza Minnelli with All That Jazz, the song choice of my business shaper today, Lawrence Isaacson. And fitting it is too, the cabaret lifestyle is something that I think he has subscribed to, but underpinned by a real drive to go from absolutely nothing to having as much as you can possibly get from life. And not just for the sake of the money, but actually doing good things. Someone who has given so much back to the arts. Just fantastic. Do join me again, same time, same place. That's 9am next Saturday for another edition of Jazz Shapers. Meantime, though, stay with us here on Jazz FM because coming up next, it's Nigel Williams. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM in partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal.